Welcome to the Jongets Games Podcast, where in today's episode, you'll be hearing the audio from the update vlog for August 2021. In that, I have a few updates that I discuss, one of them being the fact that I'm not making introduction-style videos anymore, and after those updates, I move on to the shifting shelf, where I discuss the many games that I have removed and the many games that I have acquired over the last month, and then I'll finish this off by discussing the upcoming schedule for August. Now, as always, I do want to mention that the only reason this podcast is being made is because of the direct support that comes in through the Patreon campaign for the channel. If you enjoy listening to my vlogs in podcast form like this, then I do hope you would consider directly supporting that campaign, and you can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash Games. The final thing I'd like to ask is that if you have any questions or comments about anything I say today, that you leave those as a comment on the YouTube page for the vlog, and you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. All right, let's now jump into the general updates, and as always, we'll begin with a brief Patreon campaign update. Um, it looks like July was a great month. There were 11 new people who joined into the campaign, so that is just awesome to see. And um, as always, I'd like to thank the new people as well as the hundreds of other people that are directly supporting John Gets Games to make all of this much more doable. Uh, now, moving on to another update, and I have quite a few of them today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about numbers, <laughs> specifically analytics for John Gets Games. Um, over July, things were not looking great, especially at the early part of July. About one week into July, um, the um, number of subscribers that Jongets Games had received in the previous 30 days as a metric had been lower than it had been in about six years. Uh, that's just one of the metrics that YouTube gives us. You just look over there and it tells you how many people subscribed in the last 28 days or 30 days, and it dipped down under 250. Um, now, that's still a lot. <laughs> like, I do appreciate uh, all of the new subscribers that happen, but the floating average for the last five years has been more like 400 to 500. Um, and in particular, about six months ago, it was more like 600, even um, poking up into 700 just a little bit for the first time ever. And then suddenly, over the last three or so months, um, those numbers were just tanking to the point where, like I said, about one week into July, um, it was just under 250 subscribers. And I was really racking my brains to try and figure out what was going on and what I could do about it because I didn't feel like I'd really changed that many things. But when I thought about it some more, I realized that there was one somewhat significant change that I made a few months ago, and that leads me into the next update, and that has to do with the introduction style videos that I started a few months ago. Now, these were a bit of an experiment to try and see if um, making a three to four minute video to try and entice people into the uh, tutorials would be beneficial. Uh, that idea there was that you would maybe watch that video and it would um, intrigue you enough to watch that tutorial, and maybe many people who would just not watch the tutorial at all would watch the introduction and say, oh, I do want to watch that um, uh, full tutorial. That was the idea anyway, and it was an experiment. I just decided to give it a shot. Um, it was recommended to me by a friend, and I, you know, uh, wanted to take a shot. You miss all the shots you don't take. Well, a few months ago, I started doing this, and I have no way of actually knowing if there is a correlation there, but it seems like the number of subscribers, as well as the overall number of views that Jongus Games has been receiving, has been slowly and then not so slowly going down since that point. Um, I talked about subscribers, but um, I can also see the number of people that have viewed my videos over the last 30 days, and for the last three or so years, two or three years, it's averaged about 120,000 to 150,000. In fact, that's what YouTube tells me. And 
And I was getting down to the point where it was like 109,000, 107,000, which again is a ton of views. And I don't want it to sound like, you know, oh, why is John complaining about getting 100,000 views over the last 30 days? But, you know, this is my full time job and views directly correlate to advertisement revenue as well as just the growth of the channel. And when you see a trend going not in a good direction, you have to try and do something about that. Um, now, my suspicion, and I have no way of actually knowing this is true, but my suspicion is that those introduction videos might have actually been hurting things. And I don't think that's a knock on the quality of those videos. I think that they did a pretty good job of introducing people to a game to maybe try and make people uh, interested. But I did notice when I started putting those videos out that my tutorials started to get less views. And I think that's because a lot of people who would watch the tutorial for three to four minutes uh, and then stop because they realized that game wasn't for them. Well, they're not watching the, the introduction video and they're not watching the tutorial at all. So unfortunately, it seemed like instead of uh, boosting the overall views heading towards the tutorial, it seemed like it was actually dampening those number of views. And, um, you know, the algorithm for YouTube is a black box so no one really knows how it works, but everyone kind of thinks that, you know, having subscribers and having views and having um, likes and all that kind of stuff um, helps the algorithm uh, suggest your stuff, and a big part of the views that Jungus Games gets uh, is from suggestions that YouTube puts out there. And when I went to the analytics for my little introduction videos, um, I would get this very strange notice uh, from YouTube saying, uh, it looks like people are only watching this video for about three minutes, which again makes total sense because the videos were usually between three and four minutes long. Uh, but then it said, uh, that's a lot less than your average of about 12 minutes. And in general, it seems like over the, you know, 100 plus thousand people who watch the videos every month, on average, people watch about 12 minutes of each video I make. So YouTube was saying, hey, these introduction videos are being watched a lot less than um, people are watching these other videos. Maybe there's something you should do about that. And and of course, that's insane because you can only watch those introduction videos for about three to four minutes because they're about three to four minutes long. So there's no way you're ever going to get up to the average that YouTube was plotting for all of my videos. Um, now, maybe I'm reading into that too much, but that definitely got me suspecting that maybe YouTube was not suggesting the introduction videos as much as it could have been because it felt like people didn't like them because people were watching them for so much less than the average, which is a very strange thing to wrap my head around. And then, of course, since it seems like less videos, uh, less views were going over to the tutorials than um, more, which I was hoping, um, if YouTube thinks that um, less people are watching the videos, then they're probably less likely to push that because, of course, YouTube wants more people to watch this stuff because uh, they want to suggest the things that they think people want to watch because, you know, they make money from advertisements, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm making some guesses here, um, some suppositions about what might be going on, but I figured with the numbers just slowly and then quickly tanking, I needed to do something. And the easiest thing I could do is stop making those introduction videos. Um, so far, only one person has commented in the last three weeks uh, about the fact that I stopped because I kind of did it um, in the, the darkness of night. You know, normally I try to make big changes at the start of the month so that I can announce them in an update vlog, but uh, I just didn't think I wanted to wait three more weeks. It seemed like I needed to make a change right then, and so I did it one week into July. Uh, now, I know that um, those introduction videos averaged um, in the first few days, they usually got like three to 400 views, and I suppose that's three to 400 people who were enjoying that content and getting some uh, benefit from it. Uh, and it's unfortunate that I, you know, started doing it and then I've gone away from it. And I know that there's going to be some people who are disappointed about this, but, you know, you miss all the shots you don't take. And sometimes you also miss the shots that you do take and you have to decide, well, maybe I'll stop making this shot and put my efforts and energy into uh, something else. Uh, so yeah, for the last three weeks, I haven't put out introduction
reaction videos. And <laughs> I can't read into this too much, but the lowest subscriber count for the last 30 days happened um, the day before I put out my first tutorial without an introduction video. And from that moment, the numbers have been going back up. And now, right now, for the last 30 days, there's been, I think, about 450 new subscribers. So that is, you know, almost twice what it was three weeks ago. And it's really hard not to read into that. And, you know, it, it definitely might be just a coincidence for what's going on there. But um, I'm happy to see that the subscriber count is going up. The view count is being a little bit more obstinate. Uh, for the last 30 days, I think it's at about 116,000 right now. So it's definitely more than it was three weeks ago when the subscriber count was so low. But it's not anywhere near as much of a bounce back. You know, YouTube still says that um, it expects me to get about 120 to 150,000, and 116 is underneath that. Um, so yeah, uh, I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, uh, and I'm not sure how much people actually care, but I do like to pull back the curtain uh, when I do these update vlogs and discuss why I'm making the decisions I'm making and, um, you know, what kind of uh, place my brain is at when I'm trying to do these things. So I'm not saying that introduction videos are gone forever, but for now they are you know, on the back burner. I have no plans of bringing them back because, again, I strongly suspect that they were just not compatible with John Gets Games. You know, for the last seven or whatever years I've been doing this, uh, my videos have been long. My reviews were long. They averaged about 20 to 25 minutes, which is long for a board game review. And my uh, playthroughs and tutorials and whatnot, um, they average closer to 60 minutes. So then to come out with these three-minute videos, I just feel like I might have confused YouTube's algorithm. And uh, in that confusion, I think it was hurting the numbers. And unfortunately, the numbers are something I do have to pay attention to because this is my full-time job. And that actually leads me into the uh, third update that I'll be talking about today. And it's not a huge thing, uh, but I, I crossed a milestone. And that milestone was me formally not working for my old career, the, the, my old job. Um, you know, I've been working full-time for John Gets Games for 18 months now, so it might seem silly to be giving this any attention. But um, a couple of months ago, when things were, you know, turning around, looking a lot better, especially here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, as far as COVID is concerned, um, that job was able to start working again. It's uh, event production, specifically event lighting and, you know, power and, you know, drapes and staging and all that kind of stuff. And so about two months ago, I started getting shift requests from my old uh, career. You know, I worked in that industry for about 14 years and uh, for that one particular company for about 12 years. And um, I worked a few shifts and it was great to see some people that I haven't seen in over a year. We we're just swapping stories about what we've been doing throughout the pandemic. And it was just, uh, I was overjoyed to see so many people that I care about who I've worked alongside uh, for some of, some of them up to like 11 years. Um, but after I worked a few of these shifts and I, again, was just so happy to see these people, I started to see a correlation of working those shifts to also just getting crazy stressed with John Gets Games. Um, for the last 18 months, I've been doing this full-time. It's been my full-time job and I've learned how to schedule things so that I'm, uh, you know, assuming that I'm going to be working essentially five days a week because I try to keep to a Monday through Friday schedule, um, sometimes working nights and weekends when things don't go well. And suddenly working just like one shift a week, um, you know, a couple times a month for that old job was just throwing a wrench into everything. You know, that one day, if it was a Friday or a Thursday, that's a day that I would have spent making videos for John Gets Games. And if it was like a Saturday, well, that wasn't a day I was going to be working but uh, for John Gets Games, but it was a day I was going to be doing other things, socializing, just, you know, decompressing, etc. And so I found when I did that, you know, I'd just have the Sunday and then I'd go right back into John Gets Games and I'd realize that Monday and Tuesday of the 
following week, I'd just be really unproductive. And I started to see this correlation that I think I was just getting a stress spike of just adding one too many things. And so a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, formally talked to um, the the person who's been scheduling me for that company for like the last seven years. And then we worked together in the field for like three years before that. I've known this guy for a long time, but, you know, I called him on the phone and explained my issue. And he, he asked if I wanted to be taken off the roster. Um, I said, yes, it was a hard and really weird thing to do. And honestly, before I even had that conversation with him, um, I had a long conversation with Jessica about this. And <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a really interesting thing because I love that company and the things that I did, the experiences that I had and the relationships and friendships that I formed um, are so pivotal. And also that company is a big reason for why Jongus uh, Games exists. Uh, most people, when they try to go pro with um, a thing like a YouTube channel, um, they have to quit their day job and just, you know, try it and go from uh, whatever they're doing down to zero. But um, about three years ago, I had a long conversation with my bosses at that company explaining to them that I was starting to shift into doing Jongus Games uh, part-time at that point. And they were so supportive of me and of me, you know, not working full-time with um, them anymore, maybe just working four days a week. And then a year later, it was three days a week. And a year after that, it was two days a week. And they were just happy that I was successful and they were happy that I could work with them a decent amount as well. But I just can't overstate what that kind of safety net was. Um, there are other safety nets that exist for why Jongus Games exists, uh, my wife being also a gigantic one. But I also wanted to give a lot of credit to uh, my old career, my old uh, company, the, the the job that I worked for 11, 12 years, and uh, just the amazing people who I worked alongside and the, uh, um, the the guys who run that company. I just, I have so many strong and very positive things to say. So uh, anyway, um, <laughs> again, I crossed this kind of line and I might actually end up working for them very rarely now. <laughs> the, the scheduling guy said that he might reach out if they're uh, really in hard straits. So it's possible I might, but um, it looks like Jongus Games is officially, officially my full-time job. And that's my decision now. You know, for the last 18 months, it was COVID's decision <laughs> that like killed that industry or at least forced it into hibernation. And so I had to do Jongus Games full-time. And now I am choosing to. And um, it's an emotional, strange, exciting, weird, scary thing. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, keep you in the loop, <laughs> I guess. Um, so moving on from there, I have more updates. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, I started building the outline for this video and I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about uh, not making the introduction videos. And I guess I really don't have anything else to say. And over the next five minutes or so of thinking about it, I was like, wow, no, I actually have a lot of things I want to talk about in this vlog. So moving on, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is comments. Uh, so for this, I'm kind of circling back to the black box that is YouTube's algorithm. And one thing that I have noticed is that uh, when I look at other people's YouTube channels, there's a lot of people who make great YouTube uh, content for board games. I, I noticed that a lot of other people's YouTube channels get a lot more comments than John Gets Games does. And it's, you know, you don't know for sure, but I've definitely heard that uh, supposedly the more comments a video gets, that's just another metric that YouTube uses for engagement and for if people care about this video, if they think this video is worth other people seeing and if they think that video should be shared out. And I think a big reason for that is because so much of my content is tutorial style. It's, it's you know, kind of like a lecture. You know? I'm like teaching you the game and I'm also showing how the game plays. And there are um, quite a few people who consistently comment and that's great, but I would say that, you know, many of the tutorials that I make, they, they still only get, you know, maybe 
three to five comments total over the course of the first many days. Sometimes it'll even be two weeks later and there's like three comments or maybe there's six comments, but three of those are me replying to the other comments. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because, you know, I, I like the comments that I get and I try to respond to everybody, at least with like a heart. I like heart the things that um, oftentimes are just like, thanks. I'm just like, you know, that's a little thanks back from me. But um, I've been trying to maybe ask people to comment a little bit more, which feels weird. But again, this is my full-time job and I, I need to try and do things that I can to try and steer numbers in a better direction. And, you know, I'm not just assuming that the introduction video is going away is going to fix everything. So I'm trying to attack that uh, numbers issue from a few different angles. So in the last few videos I've made, I've asked for people to comment, you know, uh, in the introduction and then very uh, at the very end, and not just like comment for the algorithm, even though that's kind of what I'm doing, but um, also I like the comments. I like responding to people. I like having conversations. So I've been asking people about, you know, what most interests them about the tutorial that I just uh, showed them or what their favorite part of that uh, video was. And so far, I haven't really seen a change in the comments. Uh, I know most people don't actually make it to the end of the video to actually hear me say that, so I have been trying to mention it in the introduction as well. Um, but I guess I just wanted to mention as an update that, you know, this is something that I'm going to try to keep doing and see what happens. Like, I, again, I like the engagement. Uh, I have to admit that probably... I don't know, six times through the average work day uh, in a work week, uh, I go over and I check to see if any new comments have come in. Uh, it's just, I don't know, a cathartic thing. Like when comments come in, it just, it's nice to see people commenting and talking about the videos I make. Sometimes these uh, comments are for videos that are years old, but either way, I just wanted to mention here that, um, yeah, I'm asking for people to comment more if they want to. <laughs> you know, if you uh, have ever been reticent to comment, then um, please don't be. Um, um, ask a question, uh, state something that makes sense to you. I mean, obviously, uh, please be positive and productive. I do monitor all of the comments. And so when things come in that I don't want really on the channel, I, I don't let those see the light of day. And that's just uh, a reality of being a content creator in uh, this day and age. But uh, either way, um, that is kind of where I'm at with comments. And uh, hopefully that'll change. I will say that these update vlogs tend to get the most comments of any of the other types of videos that I do. And maybe that's because I'm being a little bit more John and less John gets games like I am in the other videos. Maybe I'm just being more personal. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, uh, let's now move on to the final update that I'm going to be saying. And actually, this one is sort of twofold. Uh, the first part of it is the fact that I um, uh, participated in the Before You Play YouTube channel. I specifically submitted uh, some content for one of their videos. It was about uh, tips and tricks for learning how to uh, uh, teach games. I think that was what it was about. And the, um, uh, Monique asked me if I was interested in participating, and I did. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. And I think uh, Monique Naveen, myself, and Rodney Smith from Watch It Played all had segments in that video, and um, that was a lot of fun. I mean, I like all of those uh, names that I just said. All of those are really great people. Um, but uh, in addition to that, um, <laughs> something kind of poked out to me, and that is that I was watching that video. Uh, great video. Uh, all of the advice was really good, and it started off with Monique Naveen, and then there was me, and then there was Rodney Smith. And wow, it felt like night and day watching my section to the other two, uh, specifically from a quality perspective uh, uh, from a video camera perspective for the most part. Um, I just felt like my video looked so dull and kind of muddy compared to the 
crystal clear, uh, bright, sharp quality of those other two bookended segments. And um, that was a bit of a, a jolt for me. Uh, I actually uh, uh, talked to Monique about this already, and you know they film with iPhones, and I am filming with a $1,200 video camera that I bought six years ago. And so that started to lead me to think that maybe I should start thinking about upgrading my situation to a certain extent, especially since I'm now committing to making this my full-time job like as an active decision. And um, the gear that I'm using is actually getting pretty old. Like I said, this camera is uh, maybe not six years old. Maybe it's five years old. Uh, these lights I've had for a couple of years as well. And the way I've uh, done the lighting in here is uh, – something that I've been doing for a few years. And I think that maybe shaking things up a little bit might be a good idea. Also, it's possible that this camera could just die at any point. Uh, I think about two years ago, um, the focus ring on the outside of the camera snapped. Like I was focusing with it and it just made a snapping sound and suddenly didn't work anymore. But fortunately, there's a little rocker so that I can uh, zoom in and out. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years, but at any time it could go. So this isn't a commitment to changing anything, um, but I am thinking about spending some time to maybe iterate a little bit. And before I spend a bunch of money buying a new camera, I actually think the lighting situation might be something I should uh, look into a little bit more. Uh, so again, um, it's possible that three or four months from now, it'll look just like this, but I'm starting to consider what I could do maybe to up the uh, video uh, quality in particular of the channel a little bit. And we'll see where I go from that. Okay, that was a lot of updates. <laughs> and uh, from that, we can now move on to the shifting shelf. Uh, this is where I discuss the new games that I've acquired over the last month, as well as the games that I've decided to remove from the collection to try and make room for all these games that I am acquiring. Uh, I'll be honest, I have been doing a little bit of retail therapy lately. Uh, a lot of the games that I've been acquiring, I've been buying, uh, and I've been really excited about most of them. But either way, I like to start this off by discussing the games that are leaving the collection. So um, we'll begin with Azul. Uh, now, I've had this game since it was first released. Actually, I think this was a pre-release uh, copy that was sent over to me by Plan B Games in, what was that, 2017? 2018, something like that, a long time ago. And actually, in my Azul box, I also have the Stained Glass of Sintra. And I haven't played either of those games in years. And I think I just need to free up the space on the shelf. I played Azul a ton when it first came out. I played Stained Glass of Sintra a couple of times. I wanted to like it a little bit better than I ended up doing. And for a long time, Azul has avoided the cull just because it's Azul, you know? Um, you, you gotta keep Azul. It's such a classic. But, you know, I just haven't been going to it. And I think it's time to move it on. Uh, moving on, we have Imhotep the Duel, which is a two-player-only version of Imhotep. And I played this one once a couple of years ago, and I'm honestly not even sure if I covered it in one of my impressions vlogs. I should have done my research to check that, but I didn't. Um, but I never came back to it. It was fine for my recollection, but um, I don't think fine is good enough for it to um, keep its spot in my collection, especially as far as the two-player-only games are concerned. Um, after that, there is Nid of Valir. Uh, now, I was pretty excited about this game when I first got it about a year ago or so. Uh, I actually built uh, a tabletop simulator mod for it so that I could play it with my friends because I was so interested in it. And I got a few plays of it in. Uh, I know I filmed a, a tutorial for it for John Gets Games at one point. And I just realized that I think it's getting a bit samey for me. And I know that there was an expansion that came out um, that supposedly injects a lot of new stuff in there. I think it's called Thing of a Leer. And I would certainly not say no to trying the game with it. But I don't think I want to go out of my way to spend money on an expansion to potentially make Nidavellir stick around. Um, I've enjoyed playing it. Uh, I got a, a lot of enjoyment, actually, out of it, but I don't think it really has the staying power for me that um, it would need to stick around. Uh, after that, there's Old West Empresario, which is a tasty minstrel uh, game uh, that, 
that publisher uh, recently, very recently announced that they're not really publishing anymore. <laughs> they're not doing very well. But um, they sent this to me as a press copy. Um, wow. It was before the pandemic. It was somewhat close to the pandemic, if I remember correctly. And I played it a couple times, and I spoke positively about it in the Impressions of Vlog, I remember. Uh, but it was a bit quick. It was a dice drafting style game with a bit of tableau building and some really neat ideas. And I, again, would not mind playing this one again. But, you know, it's it's kind of a, not quite a Ticket to Ride style box, but it, it's still about a Ticket to Ride with box. And, you know, that's space in the collection that could be going towards a game that I'm more interested in playing. Uh, after that, there is Polynesia, as well as Red Rising. And I'm clumping both of those together because I haven't actually played either of those with somebody else. I made uh, um, tutorials for each of those because each won a uh, Patreon poll um, for me to make those videos. And I have to admit, I, I wasn't crazy about those games after I filmed those tutorials. Like, uh, Polynesia was a game I was really excited about because it seemed like it was uh, root building where you're going to be building off of the back of what other people are doing. But then as I was filming the tutorial, I just didn't love the decision space for it. And uh, because of that, I never got around to actually playing it with other people. And of course, you know, with the pandemic raging, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to as well. And now that I might have more opportunities, there's just so many other games I would rather play. Uh, and I can say a pretty similar thing for Red Rising. I think the decision space was maybe a little bit more interesting to me when I was filming the uh, tutorial for that one. But again, not quite enough for it to be one that I've decided to play with other people. You know, I've had it um, for a couple of months now, and I've been to several in-person meetups for board games, and I haven't even brought it to any of them. So I think it doesn't make sense to keep that one around. Uh, moving on, there is The Magnificent, which is a great dice drafting medium to heavyweight euro that came out in 2019. I think Essen of 2019. Uh, and I loved that game when I played it at BGGCon. Um, I have played it once or twice since then. And it's not that I dislike the game. My initial love for it got tempered to um, a pretty medium degree, and I would not mind playing this one again. But, you know, it's got that standard size, medium weight style box. You know, it's, again, about Ticket to Ride-ish sized, and I think I just want to free up the space. Uh, so maybe I'll have an opportunity to play that one again. It wouldn't surprise me if any of uh, one of my friends might want to take it off my hands, so I might even have access to this. But I feel like if I never played The Magnificent again, I would be okay with it. Uh, finally, there is Walking in Burano, which is another game that I never actually got around to playing. In fact, my copy is still in shrink. It's a pretty small box, uh, tableau building style game, I believe. And, um, you know, it just, it, I honestly can't remember if I bought this one or if it came in as a press copy. Again, I should have done my research there. Uh, but, you know, whenever I receive games for press copies, I always tell the people that I can't guarantee that I'm actually going to cover it. And I think this one just fell through the cracks. Um, so, I could see myself maybe someday getting around to it, but I have so many other games that I'd rather play. I just feel like moving this one on makes sense as well. So with all of that in mind, we can now talk about the new games that I've acquired, and it's quite a lot. Uh, first off, there is Brew, which was sent to me as a press copy from Pandasaurus Games. And um, this is a um, dice rolling allocation worker placement style game that's pretty cutthroat. And I say this while I'm looking over here because it's actually right here on the table. I just finished recording the tutorial for this one because it won the uh, Patreon poll for August. Um, so this is recorded. In fact, I've done most of the editing for it already. Uh, so there will be a video for that one coming out soon. Um, I haven't actually played this with, uh, with other people yet, though. Uh, after that, there is City Builder Ancient World, which was sent to me as a press copy. And I played this one 
a week or two ago, and I really enjoyed it. I only haven't talked about it on the Good Games vlog because I had so many other games to talk about, so I'm looking forward to playing this one more, and I will likely discuss my impressions of this one soon, but I was really impressed. It's a uh, tile-laying game that's kind of like Carcassonne, but when you put the tiles out, you make these diagonal roads. It's peculiar, it's strange, and I really quite liked it. Uh, after that, there is... I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's a game that was uh, released in Poland in Polish, and I believe it has not actually had an English uh, printing for it. Um, but my understanding is the English translation is The Train That Travels Far. And um, on Board Game Geek, there is actually an English video that was um, taught. Uh, it was an instructional video taught by the designer. And in that video, they called it Twist and Tracks. Um, this is a game that I got really excited about when I saw that video. I can't remember exactly why I learned about this game, because it did come out four years ago only in Poland. But it is a simultaneous uh, uh, action game where you are building out a route for these four different trains going through these squiggly little tracks, scoring points for how long the trains go on the tracks. It kind of has a Suro-type uh, thing going on, or maybe uh, Indigo is probably a better um, uh, comparison. And you're moving these little trains around, getting points, trying to make them go as long as possible, while also trying to stop them off at certain trains to get more points than your opponents. It looks delightful. It looks fun. It supposedly takes 45 minutes, and I have received a copy of the game because I bought it direct from Poland um, for a surprisingly reasonable price. I think it was about it was definitely less than $40 with shipping, uh, but, you know, there was no English inside the game, but it fortunately is uh, completely language independent, so I'm really looking forward to uh, getting that one played at some point. Moving on, there is Meltwater, which is a two-player-only abstract-ish, wargame-ish type game about uh, fighting U.S. versus the USSR in Antarctica after a nuclear apocalypse, uh, and you essentially win by outlasting your opponent, and you apparently outlast by trying to push them so that they don't have the food that they need, and then they starve out. I think it's called a game of tactical or strategic starvation. I can't remember which one of those is the tagline. I haven't had a chance to play this one yet, but I've heard so many glowing things, and I put in a rather sizable uh, Hollenspiel order, which is the publisher of this game, and they do print-on-demand style games, and I was buying some other games, and I decided to tack this one on. Uh, after that, uh, I did receive a copy of Public Market, and I got that so that I could make a sponsored tutorial for it, and I put that one out a few days ago, and it's done really well. Uh, the reception for that video was great. Lots of people watched it, um, and quite a few great comments on that one as well, so I was really happy to see that one. It's a, it's a game about um, fishing. You get these little fish that are polyominoes, and then you uh, fit them into your ice chest, which is kind of a puzzly type thing going on. And then there's some contract fulfillment and other things going on. It was a neat little game. And if any of that sounds interesting, then please check out the tutorial that I put out uh, a few days ago. Uh, after that, there is Reign of Witches and also the Toledo War. You know, that's kind of out of alphabetical order, but um, these actually come together. And these are the games, these are the reasons why I put in that Hollenspiel order. Uh, they're both card games, and I talked about both of them in a good games vlog that came out a week ago. And I have a lot of very positive things to say about these two little card games. I think it's $20 to get both of these games, and they're just super interesting. And before I ramble on about them a ton here, I'll just say, check out the good games vlog that I did. I talked about each of them for, I think, at least 10, maybe even 15 minutes. Um, I also picked up a copy of Sagani, which is a game I've been wanting to play for months. Um, it looks to be a spiritual sequel to Novo Luna, which is a game I really like. Uh, both of those games were designed by Uwe Rosenberg, and much like um, Novo Luna, uh, Sagani 
is a game where you are going to be building your own square tableau, but instead of trying to make little connected sections of various symbols, you actually have these arrows that are pointing out, trying to fit together into a pattern. Um, it looks fascinating. It looks like the kind of game that I'd really like, and hopefully I do like it. I haven't had a chance to actually play it yet. Um, the last game that I acquired is Supply Lines of the American Revolution, The Southern Strategy, which is the longest title to a game, I think, uh, that I've that bought or acquired in many, many years. Uh, this is also a Hollenspiel title that I threw into that order when I was buying Reign of Witches and the Toledo War, and I haven't discussed my impressions of this one just yet. Uh, I've sort of played one game, and I've scheduled another game of this one to happen a week from now, and I did like what I saw in that first pseudo game, so hopefully I will like it enough to discuss it in a good games vlog uh, in a couple of weeks. So yeah, that's a bunch of games, <laughs> a whole bunch of games coming in, uh, and obviously a whole bunch of games coming out. There's uh, quite a bit of flux with the old collection here. Uh, but either way, we can now move on to the final segment, which is the upcoming schedule for August. And it's a bit thin. It definitely looks a bit thin, but I will say that there are several projects that are maybes that I didn't really want to talk about here because they might fall through um, that are potentially going to be happening in August. But we'll just have to see. If those all fall through, then uh, maybe I'll end up making some bonus content or something. We'll just have to see. But either way, in this week, I will be putting out one more video, and that is going to be uh, a full playthrough of The Field of the Cloth of Gold, which is another Hollenspiel title. This one I purchased a few months ago. Uh, that one is uh, completely done. In fact, I published that one about five days ago to the Patreon supporters of this channel. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of each of these videos that um, if you do support this channel through Patreon, that you get to watch some of my videos early, and when you watch them early, there are no advertisements. So there's um, a few dozen people who have watched that video already without the advertisements, and I'll make that one go public um, in a couple of days. Uh, looking on to next week, which is week 32, I will have the uh, monthly live Q&A. That is going to be on Monday, August 9th, and it's going to be at 1 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Uh, as usual, it'll probably be about an hour. So we'll see how that goes. Um, after that, uh, I will also be uh, hypothetically putting out the tutorial for Brew, which again, it's right here off camera. Uh, I'm almost done with it. So uh, that one should not have a trouble uh, making that uh, time. In fact, I'm hoping to publish this one in a couple of days for the patrons so that they can watch it uh, for about a week before uh, the advertisements are turned on. Uh, moving on to week 33, I'll be putting out a sponsored tutorial for Intrepid, which is a very asymmetric, fully cooperative game about the International Space Station, I believe. I think there is some dice drafting. I actually don't know a lot of the specifics, but it's on the shelf over there. It's a pretty big box. I got a, a pre-production copy of it, and uh, I'll be digging into that one probably later on this week. It, it definitely looks quite interesting. Uh, I am also hoping to put out a tutorial for Airland and Sea, which is going to be the second Patreon-sponsored video uh, for August. Uh, that one came in second place, and I make uh, tutorials for the first and second place videos in that poll. Uh, moving on to week 34, the the only video I currently have scheduled for that week is Kali Mala, which is the bonus video, um, that also being a Patreon-supported video, but this one in particular was suggested and voted on by the contributing producer-level supporters of this channel, who um, support the channel quite a bit <laughs> financially. Uh, this one was uh, uh, suggested somewhat recently, and it won the poll, and it's a pretty neat game that came out a few years ago, and I I'm definitely happy to uh, give that one more attention. Uh, looking on to week 35, which is going to be essentially the first week of September, I'm planning on putting out a sponsored tutorial for Mythic Mischief, um, which is, I believe, a game about running around in a mystical school trying to stay away from the teachers. I don't
don't, again, know too many of the specifics there. I'll learn a lot more about it soon. Uh, in that week, I'll also be doing another update vlog for September, and uh, maybe in that week, I'll be doing a uh, sponsored tutorial for Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, uh, which um, is a game that, again, I know a little bit about, and uh, supposedly it's going to be, uh, that video is going out in early September. I'm not sure if it's going to be that week or not. Uh, but yeah, that is a brief look at the upcoming schedule. It definitely looks thinner than most months do at this point, uh, and I will say that there is very likely to be one, if not two, or maybe even three, I don't know, but uh, probably a couple good games vlogs that'll be sprinkled uh, throughout there, uh, and potentially a couple other sponsored tutorials that, again, are currently a little bit TBD. Uh, so yeah, that is going to bring a rather long update vlog to a close. Uh, sometimes these are really quick, but this was definitely not a quick one. Uh, I just realized there was another uh, general update I was going to mention that I totally missed because I talked about so many other things. Um, it, it's a tiny thing, but uh, I decided to no longer stay with the live live videos that I've been putting out where I record a, a video live and then I just leave that video out there. Uh, I want the control. Uh, so what I've been doing is uh, editing those videos in Final Cut and then releasing them again as a standard video, and I discussed why I might be doing that in the last update vlog, and I decided about halfway through the month that I was actually going to do it. So, tons of updates, <laughs> tons of stuff to talk about, and I think that is going to bring this one to a close.